Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with Pastor Dave Rudot, our other cohort in crime who's been joining us on the show and has become a regular, um, almost, I think he's qualified for host yet uh, or co-host or is he still in That's the- That's your the decision. Term? This is your podcast, Will. Uh, I I think he, he he's working his way up there. Uh, but Pastor Dave Endorf, he is- he is off um, with his congregation. They are uh, in the process of, of, of looking for funds so that they can better God's house. And so we ask that the Lord continue to, to bless their efforts and their work to, to bring their very best to their worship and, and how they conduct um, uh, their servicing uh, of the God's people and in, in God's community. So today, it's just the two of us. It's kind of reminiscent of, of how things have been and, and started out almost four years ago, actually four years ago. Um, and so uh, for those of you who have been with us that long and you've, you've seen the progression of our shows and, and you're like, oh, this is a return to, to something in the past, you know, hopefully um, we won't disappoint you and we'll bring you some, some good content um, I'm going to share with you a, a, a trigger warning. I'm on the show. So you've now been triggered. Um, so this is their warning. Um, and we will have a disclaimer that we disclaim everything that needs to be disclaimed. And, uh, hopefully, uh, you will recognize this is the beginning of a conversation and not the end of the conversation. We're just tossing stuff around as, as we kind of studied and, and put our notes together. And so we kind of just want to welcome you to the show. And speaking of good t- content, what does a weatherman eat during the winter? I don't know. Burritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a show without a dad joke. So welcome. So welcome. To the show. Yeah. What are you drinking? Hey, we didn't ask. This is the show is brought to you by okay. four ounces, four ounces of good coffee. And a carafe of heated Michigan Straight. Lake Michigan Straight, not Michigan Lake Straight. Michigan, Michigan Straight Lake. is a completely different kind of beverage. Lake Michigan <laughs> Straight is what I'm drinking. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> you drink Michigan Straight and you start seeing things. Or you get really <laughs> super relaxed or super hungry. Yeah, and you don't walk so straight. Yeah, so we have winter white Earl Grey, so so wonderful there. Um, a good tea would be wonderful with the cold weather that we've all kind of been having as we're in the basement. So hopefully you've been safe. Let us get to the show. Welcome back to the show. As we we are we're continuing kind of our look at uh, so what's the difference anyway? This is has kind of been a series that we've kind of been pursuing, and and we were looking at overarching uh, thoughts and and kind of philosophies that uh, have been in the church, been around the church, and kind of describing you know what. What is the difference? You know, what is the Lutheran difference? You know, what is it that the Lutherans believe, the Lutheran Church believes, uh, coming out of the Book of Concord, coming out of um, the Reformers, and then kind of moving into more of the nitty gritty. And and so this this series that we've been in kind of took a broad scope, and now we're going to get a little bit more specific. And and so that warning and the disclaimer that we had up there really is probably going to be something that you're going to want to uh, refer back to um, and, and just keep in mind. And so I'm going to say this to, just to start it out. It, when we talk about the next, probably going to be the next eight episodes, we are not making a judgment on other church bodies on whether or not Christians exist within them or on whether or not people in them will be in heaven or not. We're not making a judgment on that whatsoever. What we are doing is we are saying, here is what scripture says. Here is the doctrine. This is what they believe. And where are the dangers? What is the, what is the danger in that? Um, and so please take that for what it is. 
because sometimes I think people can hear what it will be coming up and when we're because we're going we're to be dealing in the next eight episodes, eight doctrines. We're going to be dealing with eight doctrines that divide the church, eight doctrines that that Christians and Christendom today would look at and say, well, we look at this differently. And what we are going to be looking at is saying, okay, there are differences and we're going to highlight those differences. And I think it's important to recognize that if you believe something, maybe this is the other comment that I would say be, as a precursor, if you believe something, you are automatically saying anything that does not agree with that must be wrong. But that doesn't mean that there aren't Christians there. Because where, where the word is, where the Holy Spirit works through his word, Christians are, right? Uh, is there anything you might want to add to that before we, we kind of introduce our, our doctrine for today? I would just make a distinction between you're saying believe and sometimes people see hear the word believe and think that we're making a judgment call on what what's going on in their heart. But when we say they believe this or they believe that, we are probably should be more precise and say they confess this or they confess that. Sure. So the, the, the faith that we have inside confesses itself. We talked about that last night in, in Romans uh, chapter 10. It's, it's it, believing and confessing go hand in hand. If you, if something that, that you uh, hold on to that or that you believe is is what you believe you're going to express it in some way you know if you believe that the packers are going to win you're going to express that in some way some might express it differently than others but you're all going to express this truth but i don't right. think they're going to win but anyway right. controversial i just thought i'd just put that out there you know Sure. Well, you know, in the in the old for a loss. That's basically my opinion. <laughs> Even though I'm a Packer fan and I watch them, it's like, come on, this has been too much of a storybook, uh, uh, storybook show, and everyone all of a sudden now is becoming more and more. Oh, I've always been a Packer fan. I've always been behind Jordan Love. I've always been behind uh, Joe Barry, and yeah. Anyway, right. So they're you're, they're due for a fall. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're due for a fall. Yeah do for a fall. No, I, I think, I think the idea of, of, um, you know, the Latin term Lex Credendi or Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, the, what we work, the way we worship is what we confess, um, really kind of plays into what we're going to be talking about. Um, how we present ourselves is a reflection of what we are believing inside. Um, but what we are talking about in these shows is what is the confession and I think that's a really good disclaimer, um, is we are, we're going to be talking about the confession of church bodies. Um, and hopefully those are our confessions too, because if we're a part of a church body, you would want to say, that's what I believe. And that's why I'm a part of it. Um, so take that for what it is. Uh, and if you are, if you're like, I didn't know that's what my church confessed, then, then maybe there's more information you need to gather, more things you need to study, um, and, and more things that you should you should be looking at and saying, well, maybe maybe I do need to look into this more. I'm not saying necessarily leave. I'm, I'm not going to tell you to do that, but maybe being informed. So yeah, it's all right there. You have all these right tools there. available. You do, you do. So our first doctrine um, that we are going to look at in this list of eight that are going to be coming up deals with the concept of authority. It is um, it is a doctrine that is. Probably the best pronounced within the five solas uh, and one of the five solas of the Lutheran Reformation, but um, it can be so misunderstood today. And that's kind of why we're talking about it. It is the idea of scripture alone. The authority of the church is in scripture alone. The authority of life is found in scripture alone. And so that's the doctrine, right? That's the doctrinal statement um, by scripture alone. Um, but, but the question, I guess, probably best stated by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, to Jesus was Matthew 21 verse 23. When, when they came up to him and said, by what authority do you do these things? Right. Um, by what authority do you do what you're doing? And that's probably a really good place for us to start because, when we when we're in the world today, from a, a human perspective, um, we we look at human authority, and human authority is relatively short lived. Um, I don't know of anybody who would read the histories of the Roman Empire and read the the taunts of of Roman emperors 
and be like, I'm really afraid. <laughs> um, you know, they're going to come through history and do me harm. Um, I think back in the Old Testament, when Sennacherib was standing before um, the walls of Jerusalem and he's taunting God's people, right? And he's he's taunting God. And I'm like, I, I understand the historical context. I can put myself into their shoes and say, I can see why this would be an aggravating thing. But Sennacherib's taunts don't affect me at all. And yet people would say he was an authority, right? He he was a he was someone who could tell people what to do. Um, so I, I think we we need to make a differentiation between human authority and and the authority that we're talking about when we say by scripture alone and godly authority. Um, any others for human authority? I'm missing. Uh, did did you wake up this morning thinking of the the fall of the Roman Empire? That's a meme that was going around a couple of weeks ago yeah. of guys always thinking about the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, there was that followed along that other. Um, there was a YouTube things, YouTube shorts that were going on around that were saying that every couple of seconds, men think about the Roman empire. <laughs> I don't, which caused me to think about the Roman empire. <laughs> but yeah, pastors, we have a lot more to think about than the Roman empire. If we've, we've got idle minds that are thinking about the past, we've got a lot on our minds as it is. Yeah. But I, but I, I do think that it, it comes into play, this idea of, of human government, right? So when we talk about authority and, and especially when we talk about church authority, sometimes we confuse those two and, and we, we look at, well, the government won't like us to say, or the, the community in which we live or we find ourselves won't like us to do. Um, and so we start applying that to the church. And I think it's a good place for us to start and say, okay, the human authority is not what holds sway in the church. I know that they will say certain things. I know that the, that that the scriptures tell us we should respect human authority. We should we should respect the government because God placed them there for a, a certain purpose. But it doesn't hold sway in in the spiritual things. I, I think that would be the the best way to say it. I think it's a really good point to make because of how the the society and the times that we're living in that is so obsessed with power and who's in power and who's oppressing who, and to look at the authority that the church says, hey, we, this is the authority that we're going from, we're coming, or we're looking at. Some would say, well, that's just because that authority is oppressing you. That's the only reason why you're you're you've got to rebel against that authority. The only authority is 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 you, and not anything else and it's a good clarification for us as we consider the authority of scripture and the authority of that that it isn't it isn't coming from a position of power nor is it coming from a, a human standpoint where it's going to be temporary or whoever's got the most power at the time is going to make the rules but it is coming from a source that is is far older than that which is god which gives us his authority in, in his word which, which then brings us to probably another point of contention when we talk about authority and we say by and kind of pursuing that by what authority do you do these things? Um, so if it's not the government who gave Christ the authority to do what he was doing, um, was it the church? And and when we say the church, we're, we're talking about the leaders of the church. Um, and, and I think, again, if you were doing a discussion of the fourth commandment, you would say that God placed church leaders there to be a religious authority, right? To be one of the authorities on that we are to respect and that we are to honor. Um, you know, when you deal with the fourth commandment, I, I teach, you know, you have mom and dad, they are, they are the political authority of the family and the religious authority of the family. And then as it expands out, the, the Lord gives political authority who deal with the political authority and he gives the church, which deals with the religious authority kind of, kind of splitting those up. But I think sometimes we we confuse the people in the church as a, an authority that trumps also God's word um, and trumps the scriptural. Um, so I think of you know the four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal. Um, you have the, these false prophets who are saying do certain things. You could go back into the scriptures um, and and talk of Balaam, right? And how Balaam, when when God's people were coming through. Um, and heading towards the promised land, uh, Balaam was a false prophet and said, what I, what you need to do is you need to start sleeping around with the people of Israel uh, to interbreed with them so that you can water down their belief, water down their, their, um, their faith. 
and and lead them astray. And people followed that. In fact, people were still following some of those rules and some of those things that Balaam said in the book of Revelation, uh, where, where the Lord brings that back and says, you still have people around you who are following some of these things. So I think sometimes we 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 confuse someone who says this I'm religious I'm in the church follow me follow my my rules and we confuse that and saying okay well we're doing God's work um and and you could expand that out outside of Christendom too I think you could expand that to uh you know Muslim faith you could expand that to um Mormons you could expand that pretty much any place where you had people who come up and they they say themselves spiritual, they may say spiritual things, but then they place themselves as a ruler, as a head, as somebody who says you must do, and this is how you live. And then people look at them um, in those ways. Would you think, and this is a question maybe for you, Pastor Rudat, and if anybody would like to, to, to enter in on the chat, by all means, would you consider some of those megachurch movements to to follow some of those, I'm not saying a hundred percent, but to follow some of that, that idea of you have religious leaders that are very persuasive who come up and, and it's like everyone flocks to them and they kind of rule. I'm thinking of like, uh, what was it? That Hill. Mars Hill. Oh, Mars Hill. Yeah. I'm, I, that was the kind of one that popped into my head. Um, when you're thinking about, you know, people who are in the religious sphere, I think it is I think we would be better if we would also just understand I th- I like the direction that you're going of how as human beings we have this proclivity to gravitate toward an individual rather than something else. So it, it even happens in Lutheranism they say well Luther said this and Luther said that. Well, is it in the confessions or is it something offhand that he said? Uh, you're right. not beholden to everything that Luther said. You're beholden to the confessions that the church said, this is what we believe. Um, so Because it is backed by scripture. Backed by scripture. So, But it's right. not just, yeah, um, but it's not just in Lutheranism. It's also elsewhere where you could have a a leader uh, who is very charismatic and or very able to communicate very, very well, well, and people would gravitate around that individual and be extremely loyal to them. And you say, you ask them what do they believe, and they'll like, well, what? They'll turn to that individual and say, well, what do I believe? Just fill in. I'm my life is a blank check. Tell me, tell me what I believe, because you seem to have it all together. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's definitely one of those times where where you look at it and you say, okay, um, I think you would probably want to double check, right? You, you want to go back and say, from from what standard is he pulling from, and why is he saying the things that he's saying and doing the things that he's doing? Um, and I think there is a there's a danger there. There is a desire from the human standpoint, like you said, but I think there's also a danger. And, and the danger is that that we start following these people, we start following these ideas, we start following these other entities to the expense of what the scriptures are saying. Now, I, I think there's a reason that that happens, and I, I and maybe the reason is is because we we like the comfort of a standard, we like the comfort of of having something to fall back on, right? Um, the comfort of saying there is a there is a uh, something beyond me that I can point back to and say this is why I do what I do, or this is why I function the way I function. Um, and the problem with the human idea of that is it changes all the time. So case in point, the standard of weight and measures in the United States, different <laughs> drastically from the standards of weight and measures in other countries, right? So, you know, uh, they use the metric system. They use liters. We don't use that. We use pounds. We use uh, um, inches and feet. Um, so there's not a standard there. It, it changes from culture to culture. Um, terminology can change from culture to culture. Um, what is the se- uh, in in the the article that we kind of hand out? They they said what is the second floor, right? Um, in Germany, the second floor would be the first floor. 
because they would consider the basement to be the first floor. And so the, 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 the ground level would be the second floor. Um, in the United States, the ground level is the first floor. And the second floor would, would go up from there and the basement is the basement. Um, so there's, there's different terminology that comes from, from trying to find a standard. And we like those standards. Those are comfortable things. But when we have those standards that fluctuate because of man-made laws or the standards that fluctuate because of, of one person's whim over another person's whim, that's not a standard. And that just goes everywhere. And so now we need something that comes from somewhere else, something that is more historical, something that has power in and of itself to do what it says um, throughout all time and throughout all generations. And that brings us to the scriptures, right? By scripture alone, which is a statement of the reformers, um, a doctrinal statement of the Lutheran church um, that we believe in the scripture alone. So it is, so when we look at it, we say the, the only authority by which we must, the only authority by which we, we must follow is God's word. To the point that even a pastor, if he, if he says something in the pulpit or in a Bible study and um, someone's like, I don't know if that's scriptural. And, and the pastor can't go back to scripture and say, no, it's right here in, in God's word. Who's at fault? It would be the pastor. Um, because it is by scripture alone. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what that whole mean, uh, what what that what that doctrine means by scripture alone. What do you think? Sure. Um, we would say that scripture alone is. We would say that scripture that we have is enough. We think of John twenty, where John says. Um, Jesus said and did many other things that are not written in this book, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So when we're talking about the authority of Christ, this, this is the, what we have is enough here in the Bible. We don't have to add to it or subtract to it. Uh, it is enough even though we have things like catechisms and creeds because the catechisms and the creeds are ruled by this book that we have that's enough. Uh, everything that we teach about in catechism class, um, pastors take great pains to show to kids, this isn't just, we're just not spoon-feeding this information to you. We are actually showing you from the scriptures why these uh, doctrines are. Um, and it's, 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 it's a task that's even more difficult as the years go by because of the illiteracy of our children, but it is still a worthwhile task to show to God's people what we believe and confess is from this book. This book is enough. It's inspired, as we, we say in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and so on. All scriptures, God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So everything that we have, this book that is enough, is inspired. It's given to us by God, whether he gave the writers, the very words to say, or whether he gave them the thoughts, the words to say, whether it's like the, a direct way or an indirect way, it's still the Holy Spirit um, behind the scenes like he is wont to do to move men to write this stuff down uh, for us and for our salvation. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's uh, I'm glad that you keep re- reminding us it is for our life, um, um, especially for our salvation, because I think sometimes some of the biggest complaints that you hear is, is, well, how can you say it's for our life? It doesn't teach me. And then they fill in the blank with something. Yeah. Well, it's not supposed to teach you that. You know, it, this is not a book on on construction. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's not, the Bible is not a book on mathematics. It's it's a book for life. Not only life now, but life hereafter. So, you know, you want to know the ba- basic building blocks of working with people. Okay, well, God gives us those. Here it is. You want to know the basic building blocks of of what comes next? God gives us that. Here it is. You you want to know how you get from one place to the other? Well, God gives us that. Here's his son, Jesus, and here's what he has done for you so that you are continually reminded when you look back and saying, here's what Christ has done. Here's what God has done um, for the sole purpose of not necessarily you have the tools to be the engineer, that you have the tools to be the the uh, the architect, but that you have the tools to be a person who has eternal life from this life. 
uh, that you have the tools to be one who looks at and looks for someone else and says, how can I serve them and, and live for them um, in any field that I'm doing? And so, yeah, this is not a, it, don't look at the scriptures as saying, this is, this is the book and the instruction manual for my profession. This is the instruction manual. And I wouldn't even want to say the instruction manual because then you're looking at it as a set of laws. This is the, this is the, this is the life that I have and how I'm living it. There it is. Uh, and one of the greatest confessions that I think we have in the Lutheran church is everything we say rests in here, period. That, that's what sola scriptura means. Everything that I, I, every hope that I have, every confession that I make, every life choice that, that, that I am held accountable to, um, it rests in here. Here's God's word for me, right? Who I am rests here. Um, how I act rests here. Even the sins that I, that I commit, I am convicted of because of this. So I think it's an important uh, distinction that we, we make. Yeah, I would definitely agree to all of that. I'd also say that um, the scriptures carries God's weight. It's not as if we're, we worship the Bible like the, the Bible is God or anything like that. No, this is the right. voice of God speaking to us. Uh, as Peter writes, as you had in the outline, uh, um, no prophecy came about by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So these men are speaking. If we're looking for what does God have to say about such and such, go to the Bible. If it's not there, right. then God doesn't have anything to say about it. it, it the, if the... What does God say about what tie I should wear this morning? Well, I looked in the Bible and it didn't say um, what what the Bible did did say. You know, who's going to make the coffee this morning? The Bible says Hebrews. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It just uh, the the point is that we're not worshiping the book; we're worshiping God who reveals Himself in that book. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, but I think you also backtrack there and you, and and. And so you have the power of the Lord, but it's not just his power, it's his grace that is seen, right? Yeah. And and that's the that's the beauty of it. Because I think so many times in in so many religions, um, we look at God and, and God becomes this powerful figure, right? He becomes the Almighty, and He is. Don't get me wrong. Um, the Lord is the Almighty, but He is He deals with us in grace. Um, I mean, throughout the scriptures, God shows us when he dealt with us by his almighty power. Um, you have you have Mount Sinai where he came down in his almighty power and we 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 almost died by the confession of the of the Israelites. If you do this again, we will die. Um, he comes down on the Mount of, of Transfiguration in the in the Kavod Adonai in the glory cloud um, as as uh, the Lord Jesus is transfigured and it is not in front of the Lord Jesus transfigured in all of his glory that the three disciples um, fall like dead men. It is when God in his glory, in his sovereignty, in his power comes down and they can't as sinners be a, be a part of that. And so the scriptures show us God is not dealing with us in his sovereignty. He is dealing with us in his grace. Um, and so when we, what what a great opportunity for us to say, God does not deal with us by by threats, but he deals with us in love. Um, does he tell us, here are the consequences without me? Yes, but you're not without me. <laughs> here, here is my love for you, my grace for you, my, my forgiveness for you. Um, I will make you holy, book of Leviticus, right? Um, I will continue to call you back, the entirety of the Old Testament. <laughs> um, I will die for you. Hey, welcome to the New Testament and and here's my son who who's going to walk in your place take on your sin become it for you and then die so that that I can give you peace um i deal with you not in my power that is is capable of destroying but in my grace that renews and remakes we had a question that was a really good question yeah. why don't you answer that one well so the question is what about our book of concord um and we agree with everything that the book says. So the book of Concord, and, and here is in the Lutheran church, um, we have this thing called the book of Concord. It is a compilation of, of many different 
books um, like the Augsburg Confession and the Apology, um, the small call articles, as well as as um, the small catechism, large catechism. Um, all of them are contained in there. Now, we subscribe to the Book of Concord in so much that they are a reflection of the doctrines found within the scriptures. So what does that mean? It means that they are, you could use the Latin term, uh, Latin terms, norma normans, norma normata, right? Um, so you have the scripture, which is the norm by which all norm flows. <laughs> and then you have the book of Concord, which is the norm that comes from the, the thing that was yeah. its source, which is the gospel which is the scriptures. So what are we saying? We're saying that on the topics that the book of Concord deals with, which it deals with, with mainly the topics that were in contention during the Reformation. On those topics, it is a good and right compilation and summary of what the scripture says about those things. And in that way, we subscribe to them. And we say they are true because they are just like our confessions, just like the Apostles Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, that we would subscribe and say, these are our confessions. Now, would we say, oh, the Apostles Creed is in the scriptures and here's the verse? No, but we have scripture references that tell us everything that it says. And we can go to scripture and we can say, this is the truth of scripture. We just summed it up so that we can confess it. And it's the same thing in the in the Book of Concord. So we we turn to the Book of Concord. We say, okay, well, what is this? What is this thing called the Lord's Supper? What is this thing um, called the sacraments? Well, what does the Bible say? We could point to every single scripture reference that tells you about what the sacraments are and how the sacraments function, or we could give you just a very brief statement, and then at the end of that brief statement, give you some of the verses that say, here's where you can find them. Here's where you can find what why we're saying what we're saying. That's what the Book of Concord is. So the Book of Concord deals with what does the Scripture say? Now, in some cases, does it does it also unpack because we don't have theological minds anymore? And I'm, this is not a criticism; it's a it's unfortunately um, a truth that that we think very fleshly, we think very earthly, and so sometimes God has blessed the church with people who think very spiritually. Um, and they have spiritual minds, and they're able to unpack things that are in the scriptures that are apparent, but we just don't want to think about. Um, so when it comes to what is free will, that's in the Book of Concord. The scriptures talk about it. Um, now, it needs to be unpacked. So they do that. But again, they do that with reference to God's word. It's it's not ever said, this is what we believe, but we have no basis <laughs> why we believe it. It says this, we're saying this because here is where it is in scripture. And so this is what we stand on. I don't know if that helps answer the question. Well, we'll find out. Let's keep moving on with the, especially it's interesting because the, the topic of the podcast is what's the difference, you know, it, right. and when it comes to scripture alone, it seems like this is the one where all the Protestants seem to agree with. They all say the God's word. And um, so we need to also understand how other church bodies are taking the scriptures and looking at the scriptures as a source of authority. So one way they could look at that, as you have in the outline that you gave me, which unfortunately your hearers don't, but the next item on his point, I'm just emphasizing how cool the outline is. Just just to, you know. Just and I actually had an outline. They had, actually I had an outline. Um, is is the scriptures and and I, this is this really follows to what we say what you just said about the book of concord where sometimes folks will look at our book of concord or the creed or even the catechism and they'll think well you're just adding to scripture and then we have to go through the long explanation which you just said no it's it's ruled by scripture this is not uh plus this is summarized uh, so what would be an example of a church body saying the scriptures and so um, this is where this is where I refer back to um, highlight our disclaimer and also um, let you know I'm on the podcast. So here's your trigger warning. <clears throat> so when you talk about scriptures, a uh, scripture and you are dealing with with um, congregations like the Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, you're dealing with um, 
you're, you're dealing with congregations that are maybe of the Anabaptist persuasion or the Pentecostal persuasion, or, or you're dealing with, um, I would even say Methodist churches. Um, so what we're saying is, is they say, okay, we believe in the scriptures, but now we're going to add, like in the, in the case in point of the Catholic church, we're going to add the words of the Pope or the papacy, right? So, so the, the scriptures are there. And then we put the papacy right up there with them. And we say, okay, now they're on the same level. So, so um, the utterances of the papacy are, are synonymous with the scriptures. Or the traditions of the church, historical church, are right up there with what the scripture says. So, so if the scripture says this, but our tradition says this, some, the, the problem is, is they gravitate to what the tradition says. Or if the... If the scripture says this, but the papacy says this, they gravitate to the papacy, which comes back to that that idea of we in our sinful nature have this tendency to gravitate to what we want to hear, not not what has been given to us. And and many times when we place when we say scripture and the and is always what we want. Not, not what God wants for us. Does that make sense? And that when I say what we want, I'm not necessarily saying what you, dear Christian, want. It's the one who added it. <laughs> it it's what they want. Um, so, case in point, like, uh, um, and it happens in the Lutheran Church, um, not to the degree that this is our doctrine, but it happens in the Lutheran Church because this is how people are. Um, any tradition that you have, and, and, and let's say, let's say you put up a, a cross for Easter, uh, for the Lenten season and, and you put a shawl right over that and, and, um, it has to have certain folds in certain places and, and you, you, you want to help. And so you're like, Hey, normally it's the older people that, that do this work and I want to help them. And so, so you go up there and you put that shawl on the cross and, and someone comes up and says, they don't, it's not folded, right? It's wrong. It's wrong. And then you're like, well, does it, does it really ma- it matters? You've disappointed God because, because that would be a, that would be a tradition being put up there. And it's like, does the scripture say anything about putting shawls on crosses? No, absolutely not. It's not a offer. Who cares? But they care. And they're, they're placing that tradition up there and they're saying, yeah, I know scripture says nothing about it, but, or, or, Scripture says we should celebrate this, and this is part of that celebration, and we have to do it in this certain way, and it has to be done that way because if we don't, then we're we're not good Christians. Um, that was probably a poor example, but, <laughs> but but that is one example. Yeah, as long as we're talking about traditions, let's just switch gears a little bit and talk about you know the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where you would have those who would say, yeah, God spoke, but God's still speaking, and he still speaks to me. And so even though the scripture says A, um, yeah. but now, but God spoke to me and said this, and that is a real dangerous situation to be in, to be listening to the voice of God. Uh, how? What should you do? I think sometimes as pastors, we actually had a reaction to that as far as like the calling process, where it used to be in our language, you know, the Holy Spirit led me to da 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 and led me to accept the call or, or, or to uh, decline the call. That per, perhaps we were, and yes, the Holy Spirit is behind the scenes like that and, and working, but can we definitively say what's being led where, who's being led where, or um, the, yeah. how much does the Holy Spirit do in that? Lead? Obviously, when it comes to church leaders and the church, the Holy Spirit's at, at work because he, is, he, he, is, he cares for souls, and, he wants to make, and he is the one um, you know, sending these, yeah. these guys out there, as we see here in Romans 10, how can they preach unless they've been sent? But, but it's, it's, yeah. So it's, we, it's, we backed off yeah. from that language and call language just because it was, it seemed like it was supporting every individual is being led right. by God this way. Um, you know, God led me to wear a blue tie today or, you know, God led me to grow up my beard or not grow up my beard. Yeah. But that's, but that, that comes into, to this idea of scripture and because now we're looking at everything in life and saying that everything in life has to be some type of a sign or everything in life has to be some type of a, a, a guidance that goes beyond what scripture says. And, and in the call, which is interesting that you brought that up because in the call, um, you, the, the, in Christian freedom, 
in Christian freedom, the pastor has the, the 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 pastor and his family have the right to accept or decline. And if they accept, God be praised, the Lord blesses that call. And if he declines, God be praised, the Lord blesses the call he's in. So so it is, you know, it is by the work of the spirit that both are yes. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's so and if the other congregation's like, well, the spirit didn't lead him to do this. Well, no, that's that's not it. The spirit is still working. He just the spirit is is preparing something else. And and I think this is one of those things where where again, um the Lord brings what we need when we need it, but that is a promise of scripture. Right? You haven't left scripture in that. Uh, we're not waiting for uh, some type of an inspiration that changes God's word. And that's, I think, where the indwelling of the spirit, where you have some Pentecostal churches um, and Anabaptist churches where they're like, there's there's further revelation that's coming. And the problem with the idea of further revelation is you're saying that, that something that you receive will counteract what God has said in his scripture. And if that has happened, then you are you're out of the bounds of Christianity to begin with. You're not Christian if it if what has been said counters what God has said. You you're you're on that path where you're going to be okay. Maybe I said too much where you're outside of the bounds of Christianity, but you are so close to that border, right? Because because as soon as you start questioning one thing of Scripture, dominoes, why can't we question? Yeah. yeah, the dominoes start to fall, and why can't we question the rest? And I think anytime you say and. You're saying, wait a second, if what you're saying and you're tacking alongside, if what you're saying coincides with the scriptures, then just say the scripture. But if what you're saying counters what the scripture says or adds to what the scripture says, then it shouldn't be said. I mean, that's what the Pharisees were doing right? They were taking the law of the Lord and they were saying, but we're going to add to this. So yes, what God says and this, because this will keep you from disobeying. But what did it do? It just added more laws and it it added more harm and it added more people were led further and further away from what does God say? What does the scripture say? What does it mean? Why are we doing these things? And it led them more to think about themselves and and how good that I am. Um, so there's a dangerous slope that you you kind of kind of go down. But I, I think it, it goes beyond that because if 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 we say that scripture and leads us into a problem, what about scripture but? So this would be up the where human reason and logic interplay with scripture. Human reason and logic are some are gifts that God has given to us. So as we we look at the word of God, we need human reason and logic to be able to understand and disseminate it. But it can also work against us because a lot of the principles of the scriptures are flying in the face of human reason. And case in point, the two major doctrines of the of the Bible, law and gospel, they don't they don't there's there's not a reason that they can harmonize those two things. There are two pillars that stand aside that God uh, hates the sinner, but God also loves the sinner. It's two things at the same time. Oh, um, but we came up with a cool term: God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Yeah, we we added to scripture like that. We just had it. I know. <laughs> Wonder what. So yeah, anyway, yeah. Scripture, but and so this is a reason is a great thing, but it must submit itself to what scripture actually says. Right, and 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 it applies not only to just some of the things that are unreasonable, like how does law and how does gospel work, or or why um, why would the Lord. Um, condemn somebody to hell when he sent his son to die for all people, right? Some of those things that are, they, they just don't seem logical, but it also comes to the idea of miracles. Um, and so many people will discredit a miracle because they don't understand it. And they're like, well, it's just something they didn't understand, but we can explain this to you. Um, it's a miracle. Let it be a miracle because he is God and he can do miracles. But I think the other that that other thing is that that goes along with it is and and here's maybe a really good example and I'm going to I'm going to give it the broad sense of the reformed okay so I'm going to say the broad sense of the reformed um <clears throat> not necessarily talking about the evangelical free church where where they they're not connected with anybody unless I still think they have some connections to necessarily reformed theology but anyway 
the Reformed theology kind of highlights uh, God's sovereignty over everything, right? And so you would say God has the power to do anything. And, and, and they will say these things such as God has the power to choose who he wants. And so you have this idea of, of, of predestination, right? God chooses some and doesn't choose others. In the Lutheran church, we would say, no, God chooses people in Christ. He chooses Christ. <laughs> and how is Christ brought to you? Through the scriptures. And that's a conversation much longer for another time. We're, we're, it's actually one of the eight doctrines that divides the Christian churches, predestination. Right. But, so we're, this is just the summary, just a teaser. Right. That's the um, teaser for another conversation. Another conversation. Yeah. But, but you have the sovereignty that, that will say, you know, God, God chooses my spouse and God chose me to suffer these things in my life so he could prepare me for these great things later on in my life. And the sovereignty issue goes on and on and on. But then they'll say, but, but God can't work in my heart. I have to choose. But God can't be in simple means like bread and wine, like he has said, because that's unreasonable, right? Because a human um, so being you, can't be in right. thousands of different places. Right. And so you have this idea that comes up where where they highlight one aspect of the Lord, and then they, they the but statements come of all the different things that don't make sense according to the sovereignty. Um, and, and so you end up with we you end up with a focus on the power of God at the exclusion of the grace of God and and fulfillment and promise. And and so there's a danger. There's a danger when you start picking and choosing what you are going to to have within the scriptures, what part of scripture you're going to believe. Like do you do John 17 17? Um, you know, uh, the the word is truth, right? Well, if the word is truth, then everything that is against the word would be a lie. Everything within the word is the truth. Oh, but I don't like that truth. Well, what do you, <laughs> if you don't like that truth, then you're saying that everything he says is not true. So then, then the scriptures are a liar. You see the danger in falling down that path. God really didn't mean this miracle. God really didn't mean those words. Well, if he says it's true, isn't it true? Yeah, if the Holy Spirit can work powerfully, why can't he work powerfully? And things like the comment down below. If the Holy Spirit can supposedly speak to you, why can't he also then bring a little baby to, to, to faith through the waters of baptism? Yeah, if he promises to do that. If Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the scriptures actually tell us that baptism saves, but it doesn't tell right. us that the Holy Spirit's going to come and tell me what tie to wear today. Right. And, but that's, so, so here's the, so... So coming down to some of the issues, and and I think this is maybe a, a good time for us to, you know, leave on a high point when we've angered everybody, um, and we've just so there is so there is a there is some danger. There's there's danger, and again, we want to reiterate: we're not saying that these that these church or these Christian bodies who are following this idea and believing these things um, and doing these things are not Christian. Where God's word is, the Holy Spirit works. That I we we believe, teach, and confess, um, but there's a danger. So anytime you're in a congregation, whether it be the Roman Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, the Methodist Church, um, uh, those the Anglican Church, the Pentecostal churches, where you're saying God's word and something else, there's a danger. The danger is, and that and something else will lead you further from the cross of Christ. That and something else will take you away from the purity and the truth that God wants to give you, that it is by his grace alone, through scripture alone, that you are saved in Christ alone, not and something else. Now, could there Christians be there? Yes. Uh, do I think that they're going to be weakened? Yes, because they're always going to be combating that and something else. Same thing. When you say scripture, but. Anything after that, but is taking away from the cross of Christ. Anything after that but is taking away from the hope and comfort that you have and should have. Because how do you know that what Scripture has told you is true? 
because it could be part of the but, right? God died, uh, God in Christ died for all people but me. God in Christ died for all people but those who should be saved. God in Christ, right? God in Christ has brought me into his kingdom by, by baptizing me um, that, that, but is it true? Where's the hope and comfort there if, if anything can be in that but? And so when you, when you remove yourself from scripture alone, what does God say? You move yourself further and further away from the cross. So we've talked about scripture alone. We defined it. We've said it's scripture and, and we you've summarized it, scripture but. Um, let's talk about weak standards and the direction that it had it leads people towards, like the, the the society in which we live and the the religious sentiment that we are in is looking at authority from a, a position of power, and they would want to react and say, well, um, you know what? How, you know what standard should we be applying to this this rule that is ruling us? This scripture. Yeah, that's that's a hard one um, because you want to say what's the principle, right? And 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 so when you and and this happens in the Lutheran Church too. I'm, I'm not going to take us away from that and say that we're better because we're not. So the scriptures formulate the principle. What does the scripture say on any given topic? And if the scriptures don't say any, anything on that topic, um, then it's probably adiaphora. Um, and if it's if it's not adiaphora or if it's something where the scriptures aren't specific, but there's some things in whatever the question is that the scripture does talk about, then the scriptures talk about it. <laughs> but but we we form the principle. So so how it's supposed to work is you form the principle for your life and living off of the scriptures, right? Here's the principle of life and living. Every situation then goes back to that. That's how it should work. This is what God says. How can I apply it to this circumstance? Unfortunately, that's not the way we work it. Um, and even in the Lutheran church, I see it because it's hard. Because every time you're rethinking and reapplying, and it might change from situation to situation. But what we have a tendency to do as people is we say, this is the principle. This is how I applied it. And then I go back to how I applied it. <laughs> and you're just setting up something else, right? You're setting something between the scriptures and saying, my application now holds sway over, over God's word. And that's a danger. I don't know if that's where you wanted to necessarily go on that one, but I think that our, our opinion becomes the arbiter then instead of, what does God say? And then applying that to each circumstance. Yeah, it, it is definitely a danger of our whole, whole human reason. Like we, we, and the, uh, what would you call it? The arrogance of youth or the arrogance of every generation thinking now we can, we're smarter than the previous generation. We're sure. smarter than those who have gone before us. They, they were missing something. And then to say, well, maybe they applied it in a different way or Perhaps their application it could use some refining, but go back to the principle. The principle was sound. So just because they applied it differently doesn't mean the principle, their application was uh, incorrect. For example, you might look at um, women ushers in a church, in a congregation. So for many years, the, the, the application, I'll just use Emmanuel's case. For many years, men were the ushers because the ushers were also those who were bringing people up to communion or not bringing people up to communion. And that was how they applied that, the, the principle of, of headship in a congregation. And denying someone the Lord's Supper is a, is, is a statement of authority. You're saying you can't receive this wonderful gift uh, because you're not a member of our congregation or you're uh, living in sin or of some sort that pastors talked to them about and said they, they shouldn't receive the Lord's Supper because they are in sin and they're impenitent. Um, which means they're not sorry for sin. So that was the ushers doing that. Well, over it wasn't wrong that they they had that application. But today you might say, well, at Emmanuel and surely the ushers don't do those things anymore. They're, that's what the councilman does. And so well, we'll have the women ushers then because all they're doing is letting people out on Sunday. And so it's like what 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 display of authority is being done there? 
But right. to, to say that the, the the past violated that principle is is not what I want to say. It's they've they've applied the principle and over time, and now this generation we're looking at it and we're saying, well, we go back to the principle and apply it. We're we're not um, saying that the previous generation was wrong in what they practiced. Well, and I think it's, a, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's that's sometimes what we do. We people will bring up, well, the so and so or this pastor or that council or they didn't allow, and so you're saying, well, they must have been wrong because we're allowing it today or we we've rethought about it. And and I try very hard in my own ministry to never go back and say the previous pastors made wrong decisions. I recognize we're all sinners, and sometimes we do make bad choices. Um, because I am a sinner and, and my own sinful nature either says, I don't want to fight it or I don't want to think about it. Um, so that can happen. But the reality is, is I'm not there. I, I'm not thinking about the things that they were thinking about and weighing the situation that they were weighing in, in the time that they found themselves. And my prayer and my hope was they went back to the principle. There's a difference between doing that and, and what I see in many other what can happen in many other churches, which is, this is the law. This is what our this is what our policy is, and they go to a policy, and 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 they don't go to the scripture, and then really think, how does this play today? Um, they just make it, and then you end up, and then you end up in these congregations where they're like, well, let's just change the policy, and then the. Po- you know, things are going up and down all the time because they're just, well, let's just change the policy. Well, if you, if you, if you avoid working on a policy made by man and you say, this is what God says, this is what God says. Now, how do we make this work? According to what God says, where are we? It never changes. It never changes. Now the application may change, but the words of the Lord will never change because they're the only lasting thing <laughs> from generation to generation, right? So I, I think there's a um, that is a huge thing, and that and and I've I'm sure you've done this too, but I've told my members I I say it in Bible information class. I said you know um, if I say something or if I do something or whether in the pulpit or in a Bible study or whatever, and you're like I don't know if that's scriptural, you hold me accountable to it. The the I as the pastor am not over the scriptures. The scriptures are over me. Um, same thing with any council member. The 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 scriptures are over the council. So if it's not in the scripture and we're doing something, we better have a good place in scripture where we're like, this is how we're applying it. Because if we're not, we shouldn't have been doing it. And and that's just the the way it is. Well, we've talked about this topic for about an hour. Um, yeah. This has been a really good topic to talk about. I think it's always a good topic to talk about because it does seem to be like one of those where you would say, this is where all of the Protestants are in agreement. We all believe in Scripture alone. And then you say, no, that's not really true because we add or we say Scripture, but uh, is, is Scripture sufficient? Does it stand on its own? Is it authoritative? Does it actually have the authority, or is our logic, or our reason, or our emotion the authority? And this is a question that consistently needs to be addressed because God's word is still standing there; it's still the standard, um, and we are still human beings with a sinful nature that want to add to it, subtract to it, change it, um, twist it, so that we would turn away from, like you said, turn away from the cross of Christ and turn it back towards me. Absolutely. Um, so if they want to turn, uh, tune in next week, which I hope they do. I hope we haven't scared a bunch of people away. Um, we're going to talk about who this God guy is anyway. And it's the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of of uh, who God is. So if that piques your interest, which I hope it does, tune in for, for that conversation next week. And hopefully all three of us will be on to, to have a good discussion on the Trinity. Um, and you might be thinking, no one has a problem with the Trinity. Maybe surprised. So um, until next time, and if you want to stay for the post show, we invite you to stay there, but God's richest blessings as uh, you live free in his kingdom and knowing that through his word, you are forgiven in Christ Jesus.